0: smartcast
1: You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast Hello and welcome to Mint I am Nasreen Sultana I am an assistant editor at Mint I keep a close track of all that is happening in the world of stock markets You are listening to All Things Markets where I speak to experts analyzing the big trends Moving the stock markets. Domestic mutual funds are increasing their holdings in banks despite fears of bad loans amid the turbulence caused by pandemic. However, March quarter earnings of banks suggest that concerns over asset quality are less worrisome and second COVID wave impact is likely to be manageable. As the corporate cycle seems to be clearly turning, which banks are expected to benefit from it? Are banks a safe bet now? To discuss that, I'm joined by Amit Premchandani, Fund Manager Equity at UTI AMC. Hi Amit, welcome to the show.
0: Hi Nasreen, thanks for hosting me.
1: So, Amit, a lot of questions about the banking and the financial services uh, that we have for you. But to begin with, uh, you know, uh, the data that I have is of April. And in April, it looks like the mutual fund industry or the mutual, funds, uh, mutual fund houses uh, increased their exposure to uh, private banks. And private banks was one of the top sector holding by mutual funds. Now, according to you, what makes the sector very attractive now?
0: Uh, Thanks for the question, Nastin. As you are aware, uh, banking and financial services uh, has the largest weight in the broader indexes. Uh, So, uh, the weight has been hovering around uh, 30 to 35% range uh, for the last three, four years. And uh, many uh, more banking and financial services entities are getting um, listed and, uh, after a point of time, getting added to the indices. uh, As you are aware, Some of the insurance companies have got uh, included in uh, the Nifty indices for the last one year. So the share of uh, banking and financial services has gone up within the banking and within the larger BFSI platform, and within the subset of banks, private bank has been gaining uh, share uh, both in terms of market capitalization as well as in terms of uh, credit. Uh, So over the last decade, if you look at uh, how the market share of Um, The banking system has changed Uh, of the banks that we cover since March 2010 public sector bank had an incremental market share of around 55% and private banks are around 45% while if we look at um, since 2015 March uh, that incremental market share of public sector banks have gone down to 40% and private banks have increased to around 54-55% so uh, there has been a Sharp uh, incremental market share shift uh, in the favor of private sector banks. uh, And the lending growth of the system is uh, driven largely by private banks and select NBFCs. Uh, And if we look at the profitability or the pie of profit pools, actually, uh, for the last three, four years, many public sector banks were reporting losses, not as a pool, but some of the public sector banks, while most of the private sector banks, uh, even during the Uh, asset quality uh, review-driven NPL cycle managed to report profit. Uh, And if we look at the top four or five private sector banks, they have, on an average, a reported return on assets of above 1% uh, and some of the leading private sector banks have reported assets of 1.5% plus. So the profit pool is shifting in favor of private banks, the credit pool is shifting in favor of private banks, and hence private banks have a very large, share of the asset allocation within the overall uh, banking and financial services pool. Hmm.
1: Very interesting trend that you just mentioned. So, can we conclude, uh, because uh, private banks have been uh, increasing their market share overall, uh, so can we conclude that uh, private banks manage the crisis simply led by the COVID? Uh, you think they manage the crisis better than the PSU counterparts?
0: There is... a. Uh, a more nuanced kind of approach to that kind of a question because what I was talking before was a more decadal trend uh, or the last half a decade trend. Uh, if we specifically look at COVID uh, and the impact on banks, uh, it is very stock-specific. Banks which are exposed to large corporates and uh, within retail, secured retail, and or within retail, salaried uh, customer base, have done relatively much better as compared to banks, uh, which are much more exposed to the self-employed segment and the unsecured segment. Uh, So uh, if we look at um, uh, the slippage run rate or slippage ratios uh, or the percentage of assets which slipped in FY21 during COVID-1, the best-performing large bank is actually a public sector bank. So we cannot uh, just broad brush that public sector banks are doing worse off in COVID because the best performing bank was a public sector bank and it was best performing because uh, a large part of the corporate pool is now high, highly rated of that bank. And almost three-fourths or more of the retail pool is uh, also to salaried customers and within salaried to government-employed salaried customers. So hence, the asset quality impact has been pretty muted. Uh, While within the private sector bank, again, we have seen uh, that secured uh, asset uh, banks which are catering to the secured mortgage or uh, retail salary segment have done much better, while the uh, commercial vehicle part of the portfolio or banks which have much uh, disproportionate exposure to the self-employed segment, uh, reporting much higher slippages or uh, or having higher level of restructured assets, uh, which are not yet classified as slippage, but basically these assets required handholding from the uh, part of the private sector bank or the public sector banks uh, to uh, to manage this uh, covid wave. So it's very stock-specific uh, and not uh, a PSU private uh, kind of a uh, dichotomy that we are seeing okay. now.
1: Right. Now, it's quite obvious that uh, because of the lockdown, most of the sectors that were under complete lockdown, like the service sectors, commercial vehicles, uh, dispatches were kind of, kind of had supply issues in the first uh, uh, lockdown also. Now, those were kind of, uh, that, that, that those lenders had an impact. But going forward, since we are uh, done with the Uh, March quarter earnings for most of the banks. Now, going forward, what do you think would be the concerns as far as the asset quality goes for overall banking sector?
0: As compared to the first wave, where there was a moratorium available for a five-month period and there was a large restructuring window, uh, the kind of of flexibility available to banks uh, in the second wave is pretty limited because there is no moratorium. So, all the obligations of debt need to be met uh, despite the four to six week lockdown that we have seen in various states. So, which means that uh, unlike the first wave, uh, where the impact of the first wave in the bank's PL and balance sheet was visible after the first wave in the second half of the financial year, which is Q3 and Q4, in this uh, second wave, um, in case there is no third wave, hopefully. The impact will be visible in Q1 and Q2, and it will be much more uh, front-ended as compared to a back-ended impact of the second wave because of lack of any moratorium. Also, thankfully, uh, impact on economic activity in the second wave has been uh, much uh, muted as compared to the first wave uh, because in the case of first wave, uh, there was a national lockdown for almost two months where everything was kind of closed and there was a very severe lockdown even after that so things actually normalized post august uh, so almost a, a kind of a strict lockdown for four to five months in this way we have seen uh, manufacturing sector largely being exempted from the lockdown requirement uh, travel is still allowed uh, uh, but the service sector impact is still high lower than last time but still high so uh, even in terms of activity indicators uh, uh, things uh, collapsed in the first wave in terms of activity in April and May. This time, we have seen a thirty to forty percent decline in activity indicators, rather than a sixty to seventy percent. And this is also reflected in uh, the e-way bill generation, uh, the power consumption data, um, and thankfully, the export data also. Because last time in the during the first wave, uh, exports got also impacted because there was a simultaneous. Uh, slowdown across the world. This time the slowdown or the impact, economic impact is much more in India. So exports have not got impacted. However, unfortunately, uh, the medical impact uh, or the uh, emotional impact of the second wave has been much more uh, because of the number of cases getting reported and because of the number of deaths, uh, unfortunate uh, deaths which have happened. So uh, uh, the asset quality impact will be much lower uh, Uh, is our assumption uh, of the second wave, Uh, but it will be much more immediate. There will be less postponement of the problem. Uh, And so in the first half, we will see uh, slippages uh, run rate slightly moving up than what was expected, Uh, but the overall impact will be uh, pretty limited. Uh, And we think, again, the impact will be more on the uh, self-employed segment uh, and uh, on the service part of the segment.
1: All right. See, over the last few months, uh, of course, stock markets have been performing and giving a better uh, return than the other competing asset class like your traditional fixed deposits, gold or real estate. Now, deposit growth uh, for most of the banks is actually declining. And at the same time, mutual fund uh, inflow or uh, SIP number, portfolio number of SIP getting into uh, new SIPs that is created to get into mutual fund is also increasing. Now, that's definitely a very, very healthy sign for the mutual fund industry. But what about the banks? Because if I'm a small saver and, and I'm dumping uh, my uh, investments uh, in, uh, from deposits, from fixed deposits, and I'm kind of re- reallocating that money to uh, mutual funds, what, how, does it, how will it impact the balance sheet of banks going forward?
0: actually if you look at the overall deposit data uh, fy21 has been a year where deposit growth have been higher than the credit growth and that growth differential is almost 2x okay the in fy21
1: low- that end yeah, in- right
0: okay yeah so uh, the, actually there is uh, broadly speaking credit grew by around 6% and deposit grew by around 10% so actually the deposit growth was much higher and banks Uh, are flushed with liquidity. So there is uh, no issue in terms of banks not having enough deposits so that they can take a lending decision. Uh, Most of the loan deposit ratios of bank actually have gone down sharply this year, mainly because the credit growth has been much more muted than deposit growth. Overall saving data, uh, which comes with a lag, uh, um, uh, which is reported by RBI with a lag, will also most likely show that household savings have gone up in FY21, uh, largely because the avenue of consumption was pretty limited. uh, 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 And uh, that's why you will see uh, overall uh, saving data also going up. And household liability data also, uh, as a share of GDP, may be starting to going down, mainly because credit growth was also pretty limited in FY21 vis the avenue of uh, different avenues of uh, savings available for our retail investors, uh, actually the last three-month positive data of uh, SIP or overall equity flows is after seven to eight months of negative flows. So on a net basis, uh, if you look at over the last 10, 11 months, there have been actually not much inflow in mutual fund, uh, uh, especially on the equity side. Uh, so um, this month's data was uh, very positive, uh, but that was uh, after many, many months of a very below par data. March was positive, April was positive, and May was positive. But before March, there were continuous period of seven, eight months of negative flows in equity funds. So I don't really think that, uh, as of now, uh, uh, mutual funds are uh, doing better in terms of uh, flow of uh, savings as compared to bank deposits. Actually, if you look at the flow of savings, per se, FY21 may, may be a year where share of actually deposit vis-a-vis equity mutual fund in terms of flow would have gone up.
1: Okay, that's a very interesting data that we need to look up. Uh, but moving on, uh, since you Just manage- to
0: clarify, sorry Nasrin, I was talking about the flow, not the uh, pool because yes. obviously because of the market going up the pool would have gone up of course
1: because the market cap itself of the stock market is rising so definitely the pool will rise no doubt uh, but moving on since you were talking about uh, since you manage a banking and financial services fund uh, now post the budget uh, there was uh, there is a narcl fund uh, and as uh, around 89000 crore of bad loans had been transferred to NARC. Now, this is a process to clean up the balance sheet of all the banks. Now, this activity or this amount, will it impact your portfolio and will you do any kind of reject as far as the banking and financial services stocks are concerned?
0: Actually, we don't react to specific uh, 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 short-term, uh, short-term incidents uh, or short-term events like uh, NARC. What has happened uh, from an NARC point of view is that there are a pool of assets which are already NPRs and they are NPLs in terms of uh, they have a very high aging profile also. They are not fresh NPLs. Most of the assets which will get transferred to uh, NARC uh, would be 70 to 80% provided and in many cases written off uh, which means 100% provided or 100% provided but still part of the balance sheet. So uh, these are old assets, uh, which are all recognized, all provided for. In the first pool of around 90,000 uh, roughly uh, figure, uh, which are getting transferred, almost all the names that we see are largely provided, almost 100% in main case, in most of the cases. Now, the structure of NARC is such uh, that uh, uh, of this 90,000 crore, uh, the first leg which is getting transferred, Broadly speaking, um, uh, the haircut would be around 80% and uh, the banks will receive around 20%. And uh, broadly speaking, this 20% covers around 18,000 crores. Uh, And of this 18,000 crores, 15% will be in cash, 85% will be in security receipt. And these security receipts will be guaranteed by the government of India. So whenever there is a market for security receipt, which is created, this bank can actually sell the security receipt in the market if there is a market. Uh, uh, so, uh, broadly speaking, 18,000 crore uh, will move to the banking system. Um, some of it will flow through the PNL, especially the cash part. Uh, and there will be a reversal of provisions or a recovery from return of accounts in some of the banks, which will get reported. Okay. Any upside, um, so if um, uh, as compared to a 20% value which is being driven, uh, if it is uh, provided, uh, 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 if if let's uh, say the recovery run rate is 25 to 30%, that will again be captured by banks only. Uh, so this is a one-time kind of a uh, gain for banks, uh, but it is not material because uh, from a banking system point of view, 90,000 crore, uh, uh, the NPL recovery is 90,000 crore but actually the uh, the book value of that is close to zero, if they are written off or uh, materially lower than that, and they will mm-hmm. get only 20 percent. Uh, right. They are not going to get the 100
1: percent. Right. So lastly, one question on the valuation part, since we are just done with the uh, March quarter earnings. Uh, do you think uh, private banks' valuations uh, are very steep compared to the PSU counterparts, and if yes, uh, do you think that's a bit concerning going forward?
0: So, uh, the evaluation are just one of the matrices which we look at for evaluation of stocks. If you look at the return ratio profile, the ROA profile, or operating profit as a percentage of assets, or, risk, or return on risk-weighted asset, all these parameters, if you look at uh, private banks, are much higher than, um, prior buying reports, much higher ROAs, ROEs and return on risk-weighted assets as compared to PSU banks. And the growth profile of private banks, especially some of the top private banks, is much superior to uh, most of the PSU banks over the last five years. Uh, for example, if we look at the top five uh, private sector um, bank, their average ROAs would be close to one and a half percent. But if we look at the best uh, PSU bank, the return on assets would be hardly 50 basis point. So there's a huge difference. Valuation have to be looked at it from uh, after looking at these uh, return ratio differences. Uh, the ability of private banks to grow, given they are very adequately capitalized, uh, most of them have a tier one or CET1 ratio of above 15%, is much higher than uh, public sector banks. And then that's why their multiple also reflect the ability to grow. Uh, the ability to underwrite uh, assets in terms of taking risk has also been uh, demonstrated over the last decade that public sector banks have kind of underperformed the private sector banks as far as the asset quality is concerned. So that's why the market has more confidence uh, about the ability to grow profitably for private sector banks as compared to the public sector banks. So that also is an argument in favor of private banks to have higher valuation. Uh, And finally, many private sector banks have a lot of option values uh, in the form of their investment in subsidiaries, whether it is insurance, asset management companies, uh, broking entities. So the market also gives valuation to these subsidiaries. And so we have to adjust for these subsidiaries' valuation to look at from the headline valuation to arrive at a more core banking valuation. And hence, uh, I don't think uh, there is significant area of concern in terms of valuation multiple of private banks or APSU banks there are very good reasons for that.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, Amit, on that note, thanks a lot for your insights and the trend analysis that you did for us. And uh, thank you so much for giving your time. We wish you good health. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Nasreen.
1: For feedback, you can write to me at nasreen.s at or you can reach out to me on Twitter at nasreenstory Story. You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast.
0: HT Smartcast.